Hello, everyone. Welcome to JCV Art Studio. My name is Joanna. For first-time listeners, I am the author of The Unraveling and Dealer's Child, and Spy Girls is with my ARC readers. 2024, that's when it's coming out. Today, it's this is going to be so cool. Um, I have Francesca Maria with me. And she's multi-talented as I was uh, doing research. And I'm go- just going I'm going to stick with my plan because I don't want to start going off in the avenues of art and comics. Not quite yet. We will. But today, we're going to talk about, I would say, her anthology. It is titled, They Hide, Short Stories to Tell in the Dark. And just to give you a bit of a an idea about Francesca, here I I just I, I've got to I got to share her bio here. So Francesca Maria has been penning penning horror stories since she was able to pick up a pen and write at the age of six. Her fascination with horror was spurred by her insatiable quest to uncover what was haunting her house as a child. Now in her late 40s, Francesca is still haunted by her childhood home, which continues to invade her dreams. Francesca has spent 19 years as the co-owner of Black Cat Comics in Northern California and has been reading comics for over two decades. She is an avid fan of Neil Gaiman. Aha, definitely. Tom King, Stephen King. I've read some of his his yeah. Tom Taylor, Je- Jeff Johns, and Jeff Lev. I hope I said his name right. Okay. When she's not reading and writing horror, Francesca visits haunted places and records their histories. Francesca is a former journalist, a published author, and a graduate from the University of California at Berkeley. She is also a psychic medium, and detectives have used her knowledge of the other world to aid her in her storytelling. She is a black belt in Taekwondo, drives a 53 Chevy truck, and drums until her hands bleed. Whoa, Francesca, you're so cool. (laughs) You can find her work in Crystal Lake's Flash Fiction Monthly Contests. The upcoming Death's Garden Revisited Anthology, Black Cat Chronicles, and her debut release of her short story collection, which we're going to talk about today. They hide short stories to tell in the dark, which is out now and is an Amazon number one new release in horror short stories. Francesca, welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Oh, gosh. You know, the my my brain. <laughs> so I'm going to start with a very basic question, and I'm just curious if you could tell us about writing horror and that first story you wrote when you were six years old. Six years old. Sure. Yeah. So I grew up in a legit haunted house where there were doors opening and closing, lights turning off and on. 
um, TVs going off and on, just like the poltergeist, phantom footsteps in an attic that wasn't finished, the whole bit. And so when I was six years old, I wrote a story. It was, a, it was like a 10 pager. It was pretty impressive for, for being six years old. Um, the story was about a group of kids who stumble onto a haunted house at the end of their cul-de-sac. Um, and the story progressed through how they get through it, what was their experience like, and how did they survive it? So it was kind of my way of working through my own fears and giving me, you know, some hope that there is a light at the end of the tunnel from the true haunting that I was experiencing at the time. Yeah. Okay. You know, for the longest time, I didn't believe in ghosts. And, you know, people... I I know I I have dear friends who have some who believe and some who don't. But until you've had an unexplained experience happen to you, it just and mine was with our daughters when we were moving out of our house in Lanceville. And I remember I had the TV remote in my hand. I pointed it at the TV and the stereo turned on. (laughs) And then the song that's playing is, oh, I can't remember the band, but it had to do with um, angels. And I'm just like, okay. And, you know, I thought, no, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You know, and I'm I'm like downplaying it. It's not what you think, right? Rationalizing it. Yeah. Yeah. And then there were three things that happened. And then there was another time, same house. And my husband was living in Victoria. We were transitioning to a new location. And I remember I was walking up the steps with one of those built-in vacuum cleaners, which I did not find any help at all, you know, hauling up those hoses. I turned to go up the second set of steps and this cold air went right past me. And I just stopped. And there I am standing on the landing, trying to mimic, right? (laughs) Turning with these hoses, trying to mimic what I felt and I couldn't do it. Okay. I just felt probably gave myself whiplash with those (laughs) hoses, right? (laughs) And then the third time was all of us, the girls and I, we went to Victoria, we came home And I tell you, I opened that front door and there's no one else in the house and such a smell of garlic hit Mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, what is going on here? It was so strong that I even asked my mom at the time, I I thought this is going to sound so silly, but I said, hey, mom, did you happen to have to cook anything in the house? And she's like, why would I be in your house? Right. And it's just until you've Mm -hmm. had something like that happen, right? Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. Right. That's right. And smells are a really common phenomenon that people experience when there's kind of ghostly presence, you know, the smell of cigar smoke or perfume um, or, you know, even kind of like a locker gym smell in certain cases. I experienced that at the USS Hornet in Alameda. Um, We were walking down the, the kind of the lower levels where the mess hall was and all the, the sailors would sleep and eat. And I got this huge waft of just kind of like a gym locker smell, Yeah, you know, and it hasn't been, you know, in use for decades. And I'm like, oh, that's just the ghosts are still very much present here. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So 
I'm just realizing I may I may have we just reading looking at your bio here and looking at the the uh, authors you enjoy reading. Do you have a favorite horror writer? Just thinking of the the the, the authors I've just listed. Does anyone's? I don't want I don't want you to compare it, but do you have a favorite, or you just have that a collection of your top like ten you like reading? So my favorite author of all genres all time is Neil Gaiman, yeah. um, and he really dabbles in horror quite a bit, um, even when it's more you know lighthearted and children's stories. I mean, Coraline is a straight up horror novel uh, for the YA audience. Um, he, I love how he crafts his worlds, his characters, you know, from page one, the first paragraph, I'm hooked and I can't, I can't wait to get to the, the ending of the story. You know, I have a hard time reading novels um, and, and having them keep my interest. Yeah. And Neil Gaiman, you know, as soon as he has a book, whether it's, you know, a short novella, a comic or a 500 page giant, I read it cover to cover and it, I just consume it quickly. And I can't really say I do that with any other authors. Um, even Stephen King, I love him to death. I love his short stories, but I have a hard time getting through his novels at times. because I feel like they're a little bit too repetitive or too wordy. And I just want to get to the chase. Yeah. Um, but with Neil Gaiman, I never, I have zero complaints. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Now I don't go, how do I say this? I write thriller legal, not, you know, mine are thrillers. They're legal, legal setting. Um, I used to work at the prosecutor's office as a mm. Supreme court assistant. Okay. Wow. Now, but uh, I have a scene where it's like I, I make, I want to make the reader uncomfortable. Mm. And I didn't think I'd write this scene. Okay. Mm. I want to make the reader uncomfortable. And I want to strike fear in the reader for my character. You know, like, is she going to make it? And do you feel when you're writing your stories that you're testing yourself and how far you can terrorize the reader? Yeah, um, especially in the horror genre, because uh, I'm constantly finding new ways to express fear, dread, terror, yeah. Um, the, a lot of the themes in my collection have to deal with powerlessness um, and lack of control because I wrote it during the, the pandemic and that's how I was feeling at the time. And so, you know, how can I explore these similar emotions, these similar intense feelings um, in a new way each time? Um, and I am not a plotter. Okay. I'm a pantser. Yeah, me too. And so, <laughs> and so, you know, I, like Lisa Kessler, I just listened to her podcast, a wonderful podcast. Um, when you had her on, uh, you're chasing the, after the hero, you're just chasing the story. That's kind of how I am. And so there's moments where I'm writing and I'm dipping into that feeling of fear when I was six, seven, eight, living in a haunted house and trying to bring that forward in a way that my readers can also feel viscerally, you know, that I don't want to turn the lights off, what's underneath the bed, 
the closet door. I thought I closed it before I went to bed. What is it? There's a little crack in there. Did, did I leave that crack? Why is there a crack open in the closet door? So those are those are the kinds of feelings I try to emulate um, when I'm writing different parts of the story. Not not the whole stories aren't you know dread inducing the whole entire time. Yeah. Um, but there it's a buildup, and you know when I need to you know punch, um, make that punchy. Um, I'll I'll go back to those early childhood memories. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I remember. I see, and I remember times being a kid and where we lived, you know, like during those times, it, it was the, um, you know, you went outside to play. And I remember, you know, basically coming home for lunch, going outside to play again, coming home for dinner, going out again. And, you know, basically mom saying to us, when those lights, street lights turn on, you come home, right? And I remember times <laughs> running through forests and just when it gets dark, trees and, and how, I don't want to say evil, but like they can look scary, right? You know, mm-hmm. and as a child running through there or else, you know, not wanting to look underneath the bed (laughs) (laughs) because someone may be under there. Right. You know? So yeah. Yeah. God. So then you could relate to, I just had, uh, I was in the writer's studio. Um, It's part of the Simon Fraser university. And I was able to meet up with one of a fellow student and we had this discussion because in one of the pieces I submitted, I had mentioned about the the big debate was okay. Do we keep the eyeball in, or do we, or do we write this scene with the eyeball out? So, do you have? I'm sure you must have plenty of those discussions. Yeah, and and by eyeball, what do you mean by that exactly? Like a human eyeball. Like there, yeah. there's this this this, I will say, scene with guns, and there's an eyeball that kind yeah. of rolls out onto a seat. Okay. Got it. And that was our big, our discussion, Joanna, have I gone too far with the eyeball or do I keep it in? And it was amazing because with a group of students, they were like split half and a half. Interesting. Yeah. So how about, I'm sure you, you have plenty of those discussions. Well, so what's nice about the horror genre is there's no too much. Okay. There's no extreme. There's, um, that's why I have you know, like content warnings in my book because I don't want to trigger anybody. Um, but horror to me has no ceiling, no roof, no box to be put in, put upon. Um, there are some like anthologies that I would submit stories for that have really specific criteria, like no explicit gore or no, ex- you know, no mentions of rape or anything like that. Yeah. They'll put kind of guardrails around. But for me personally, I don't like having guardrails. Yeah. I like to be able to go where I need to go to tell the story. Yeah. Um, it's not about horror for me personally. It's not about slashers, blood and guts and violence. It's about exploring the things that terrify me. Yeah. And, you know, one of the topics is, you know, and I'm, I'm sorry to get, you know, taboo about this. And a lot of people don't want to talk about it, but rape. Yeah. The, the idea of rape terrifies me and so i have to write about it and that is not going to be 
everyone's cup of tea. And I appreciate that. Um, But the way that I write it, I don't write it explicitly. I talk about the incident quickly and then how the person overcomes it or what do they do at the end of that? Like, how do you survive? Kind of like, you know, the kids going through the haunted house, you go through something terrible. What, what happens to you? What, how do you rebound if, if, if at all? Um, how do you face that fear? You know, something that dreadful that happened to you. How does that change you? Yeah. Yeah. And I have found with my second book, there was a sexual assault. And I remember just typing, typing, and then I stopped. And I just thought to myself, okay, are we going down this road? And I just thought, and I just kept going, right? Yeah. And I kept going. And after I was done, yeah, I needed to go for a walk, take the dog for yeah. a walk, right? Yep. But yeah, it's, yeah. Okay, so your stories. Let's talk about a few of them here. Okay. The short story, Shane O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. What was the inspiration behind that one? If you could give like give our listeners because the beauty with these podcasts is like i i see the statistics six months from now someone's going to tune into this podcast so shane o'reilly tell us a bit about that sure so a little bit overview of the collection itself it's my um love letter to horror tropes so i wanted to take a stab at well-worn horror tropes tropes meaning witches uh, werewolves, vampires, et cetera, and just see if I could write something new about yeah. each of these characters. And so Shane O'Reilly is my attempt at a vampire story. Yeah. And I didn't know what I was writing. I didn't know what the vampire was. I wasn't sure where it was going, but I just saw a scene at first. And I was in like 1800s and I- Ireland, like a remote rural town in Ireland. And I just started typing about that. Yeah. The story ends up being more about the Renfield type character than the vampire. So, you know, this person who gets um, forced into slave labor by the vampire and how terrifying that is to not be able to control your, your, your thoughts, your emotions, your physical body to be forced like a robot to do the bidding of this other supernatural being who terrifies you and you have no control over that. So that's kind of what I explored um, with Shane O'Reilly. And I just think of, (laughs) I want to hold my head, how he feels the pain, right? How he feels the pain and the control, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then we have my brother, Andy. Yeah. Uh, And that's like, there's such variety in this anthology, um, you know, uh, such, such variety. And again, thinking of, you know, a fellow student, I, Andrea, who I met up with, you know, I was telling her about when we moved into this house that we were renting before we built, built where we are, we are now, that there was this attic and this attic had this small rope that hung from it. Mm-hmm. And I remember when our oldest daughter came to visit, she looked up at it and she said, Mom, don't go up there. Whatever you do, do not go up there. I have seen Yikes. far too many movies. 
do not go up there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I have no plans, right? Yeah. And then when I met Andrea, I was telling her about this place and she said, I, I agree with your daughter, Ashley. Don't go up there. <laughs> right. So my brother, I thought of that when I was reading my brother Andy uh-huh. and that room, that is a very different story from Shane O'Reilly. Yeah. Can you t- tell us a- a- about that one? Sure. Yeah. So my brother Andy is part autobiographical and part fiction. Oh God! So <laughs> you know, I'll leave it up to the reader to figure out which is which. Um, but yeah, so each story has a different setting, a different timeline, a different location. So Shane O'Reilly, eighteen hundreds Ireland rural area. Um, the my brother Andy is you know more modern times. You can see it being in the eighties, nineties, two thousands, and and the U.S. Um, yeah, that story, I actually wrote a version of that about 20 years ago. Um, and then just kind of put it to the side. And it was, again, a way of me remembering, kind of like chronicling some of the things that I remember um, growing up in the ha- haunted house, thinking that if I wrote about it, I wouldn't have to have nightmares about it anymore. But that yeah. wasn't the case. It still, <laughs> it still gave me nightmares. Um, but it was it was a my attempt to uncover and describe some of the things that happen. And also, you know, I love, I don't love, but I grew up Catholic. Yeah. Really strict Catholic. And the thing that terrified me the most was the idea of possessions and demons. Right. And so all the stories I've read, the exorcism, you know, all the things that you see in movies and in TV, they don't really talk about what happens if the person stays possessed and they never get exercised, right? And so without spoiling too much, um, this story goes further in exploring if there was something that took possession of you and controlled you for your entire life, what does that look like? What kind of person is that do you turn out to be? And, And how does that affect the loved ones around you, the people that see you and know you for who you are? but know that you, you're not in your full faculties any longer. Yeah. Well, and the sister, you know, the sister, <laughs> without giving too much away, she's trying to help. You know, yeah. she's so trying to help, right? Yeah. yeah. And I can see with your, with your book, They Hide Short Stories to Tell in the Dark, you can see that range. You could see, like you said, there is no ceiling with horror novels, you know, just you could see the the variety. Okay. Now I have another one. Mm-hmm. See, I, and, and you're, as you're talking, I'm thinking, and I'm thinking about what I was reading in the beginning. Sometimes I find, I can't even say sometimes. Okay. So here we go. I was saying to my critique partner, that I notice days, let's say if I go three days and I haven't done any form of writing, I'm out of sorts. Okay. Mm -hmm. So like the writing is my drug and whether it's my drug or also my therapy. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, you had, I think you had mentioned that too. Like you're, you're working. I find sometimes I'm working stuff out. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Now, zombies are real. Another story. And I thought 
this story was more about, I could see the humanity and the human condition. Okay. Uh, also, I've been to San Francisco a few times and I like San Francisco and I've seen those streets. Okay? <laughs> yeah. They are um, steep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought zombies are real is a story everyone could relate to. Um, it reminded me of a story I had heard about my mom on a farm involving a chicken. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. okay. I got you. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And uh, what does that story mean to you? Like, were, were there, were you looking for answers when you were writing that story? Because it, it is a very human story. Yeah. Much like my brother, Andy, that one is straight autobiographical. There's no fiction in that story. Um, when I thought about tackling the idea of writing a zombie story, I could not think of anything new except my real life experience. Um, And so I'll just share with your listeners. My grandmother suffered from Alzheimer's and she was a strong Mexican woman who took no crap from anybody and was independent and just a badass. Yeah. And seeing her with Alzheimer's slowly wither away in front of me um, with those blank staring eyes, not knowing who she was, who I was, um, was horrendous. And I mean, there's no greater horror than watching your loved one die in front of you, but their body doesn't give up the ghost, you know, and it's, 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 traumatic for everybody around them, including them, right? Like she's aware that there's something wrong, but she can't articulate what it is. And she was built, she went from being fearless to full of fear. And that was just so tragic to, to witness. And so every time I, you know, reread that story, um, I tear up because it's, you know, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. Uh, I could relate to that story. Um, my mother didn't have Alzheimer's, but it's just, it, like you said, a force to be reckoned with. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Because that was my mom. And it's, it's interesting because when you were, we were raised Roman Catholic as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was never, I was never scared of like demons or maybe because I knew I had my mom <laughs> would slay, <laughs> right? She nice. would slay a dragon, you know. <laughs> but um, it's interesting when you because when you think about that religion, mm-hmm. I remember one day I, I think it was before I was going to school. She had said to me, "Now you behave at school." I may not be there, but you behave at school because he's watching. And Ooh. she point up to the the, uh-huh. the ceiling, to the clouds, right? Like, because he's watching. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll behave. You know, and I, I'd walk to school and I remember, <laughs> I remember walking and looking up at the sky. And honestly, I was thinking, you know, I'm not so much scared that he's watching 
I'm more scared if my mom found out <laughs> of anything, right? Because <laughs> I thought, I think he could maybe seek, you know, mm-hmm. the whole picture, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe right. He, he would forgive me, right? Because we're right. we're all supposed to be forgiven. But it Correct. was it was more scared if my mom found out if I did anything wrong. That was the bigger threat, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know? With real world consequences. Yes, yeah. correct. Yeah. So, okay. We were, I had mentioned about Black Cat Publishing and Black Cat Comics. And if you could please share, I was watching this YouTube, your, the YouTube video, the story behind Gray Friars Cemetery. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, Taking a couple steps back, my husband and I co-owned a comic book store called Black Cat Comics for um, nearly two decades in California, as you mentioned. Yeah, and we've been huge comic book fans. My husband, since he was four, me's in my you know teens and twenties is when I started reading comics, and we just love them. Absolutely yeah. love the the medium, the art form, how you tell a story in graphic form. And so over the years, you know, being retailers and seeing comics. I felt like there was a lack in good quality horror comics. Okay. Um, and so I wanted to, you know, write something and create something that I would want to read. Yeah. And so we formed um, Black Hat Publishing to create uh, a couple of series of comics. We're, we're on the first series now called Black Hat Chronicles. Oh, wow. Black Cat Chronicles are true stories narrated by a mystical, ethereal black cat. Yeah. Not really sure what he is. Um, and each story takes place in a different setting, talking about some real weird paranormal horror experiences. So the first issue that you mentioned, Greyfriar Cemetery, takes place in Scotland, um, a cemetery at the end of the Royal Mild called Greyfriars. It's a fascinating history of torture, of religious persecution, and of modern day hauntings and exorcism. So the the elevator pitch is um, the Covenanters were pro- uh, persecuted by the king at the time, and their main tormentor, um, Bloody Mackenzie, George Mackenzie, he was called, um, tortured and killed mass amounts of people. They're both buried in the same cemetery. The Greyfriars in a, um, the Covenanters in a kind of unmarked grave. And then Bloody Mackenzie has this gigantic mausoleum kind of overlooking the people that he tortured. Well, long story short, in the 90s, a homeless man was seeking shelter from the cold, stumbled onto Bloody Mackenzie's mausoleum fell through the bottom floor into the catacombs and basically into the um, coffin uh, of Bloody Mackenzie. And from that point on, all of these horrific poltergeist type activities would happen in and around his tomb. There is, you know, people fainting, people getting scratched, people getting pushed, people getting sick. Um, so much so they warn people, if you've got a heart condition, if you're pregnant, like don't come on this tour, don't go into the cemetery. Um, it's super dangerous. And they had not one, but two exorcisms of local priests to try to exercise 
the spirit from the tomb and spoiler alert, neither were successful. (laughs) So, I mean, this is true. This is a true history and this is a true story. And like, not a lot of people know about this. So I did a ton of research. I do research like for three months on each story that we do and try to take my readers there to um, the place, the setting. And I work with a phenomenal artist called Nate Olson. He just captures the mood and captures the horror so well. Um, and I'm I'm really proud of the comic book series. Wow, wow! I'm I'm okay. I'm gonna have to. I'm yeah. I'm gonna have to get one. That that, <laughs> that is a yeah. bit, see, creepy. Yeah, because so it's interesting because you were talking about now. Was it Shane O'Reilly? Was the yeah. scene that came to you? Yes. Yeah, uh-huh. because when we moved here, I live on Vancouver Island, um, and I have to give a shout out to Iowa and Vermont. I've seen the downloads. Thank you for listening. Okay. I, I want to make sure I give that shout out. Yeah. Um, but where we live on Vancouver Island, you know, we're moving in, we're traveling back and forth. And my spouse has lived here. Uh, pretty. Um, he, you know, grew up here. And he pointed one day, we were slowly, we were driving past the local cemetery and he pointed out, he says, Joe, there's a mailbox right beside the cemetery, you know? And I looked and I just thought, oh my God, you know, like I thought, letters, are they, are, is someone ma- like mailing letters to the dead? You know, like Ooh. just this thought kind of started coming. And I thought, write it down, write mm-hmm. it down. Because could you imagine going to pick up your mail and you have to go by the cemetery? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, (laughs) well, see, as a horror writer, I love cemeteries. Like I have at the end of my street is a cemetery and I'm there all the time. I love it. Actually, I find they're the most peaceful places to be. They're beautiful. They've got great energy a lot of times. Um, They were actually made originally as parks. Um, So people would go and take lunches and have picnics and things at cemeteries. That was a very common thing um, at the turn of the century. Wow. Okay. Well, then I do have to admit that when I've gone to the cemetery in Nanaimo, where my mom rests in peace, um, when you walk and read the different headstones, the history you learn, yeah, right? Just because of what has been written on the headstone, you know? And I always find I... Uh, I don't like walking... Like I walk around the full d- yeah. length. I don't like walking across if that if I'm making any sense, just yeah. because I, I don't want to feel like I'm being disrespectful, yeah. you know. So yeah. I will make sure I walk the full, you know, the, around the, the yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So thinking of your collection here, what do you hope? Well, it's not even hope. What uh, what do you feel or what do you want the, your readers to experience when they read this collection? Wow, that's a good question. Um, I first and foremost, I hope it's enjoyable. Yeah, you know, I hope they have some fun, even though we're exploring some of the dark things that aren't typically known to be fun. Yeah. Um, but I also hope that they leave with hope 
um, that despite the dark places that I take them to, there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, not to say that I write like I'm a, you know, Pollyanna and glasses half full all the time. It's, it's, I don't No. Um, but to give you a sense of how can we explore the dark, our fears, our sense of powerlessness in a safe way in fiction so that God forbid, when we do face real life horrors, mm-hmm. we're a little bit, maybe better prepared. Yeah. Um, cause we've thought about them. We we've felt them. We've maybe gotten some tools from other characters on how they got through things. Yeah. Um, it sounds weird, but like, I hope that they feel a little lighter yeah. after reading it because we went to some dark places. Yeah. Um, and maybe left some of the dark there. Yeah. And so when they put the book down, first and foremost, I hope people enjoy it. And yeah. secondly, that they're feeling a little bit hopeful, a little bit lighter. Yeah. Well, the more authors I interview in this genre, it's fascinating because, like you said, the spectrum, mm-hmm. you know, and for me, just, I know with that scene, it's like, for me, how far will I go? You know, just like, because it's almost like I'm challenging myself. Yeah, right? that's right. You know, how far will I go? And and how are you going to resolve this? Right. Mm-hmm. So, well, Francesca, anything else you'd like to have? i like to add. And what is next happening for you? Um, so I'm currently working on the fourth issue of Black Cat Chronicles. Um, it takes place in Portland, Oregon. They had a secret underground city yes. where they would kidnap um, young men and force them into slave labor onto ships to Shanghai. That's where the term Shanghai comes from. And so it was kind of the most um, vice-ridden, uh, corrupt human trafficking uh, in, in the 1850s, the late 1800s. And so I'm exploring that right now, writing the script for that. And that should hopefully be out by the end of this year with the Kickstarter, where we're going to launch for that October 1st. Okay. Okay. I've been to Portland too. <laughs> I've been Great to California. Town. Yeah. Great town. And I cannot remember the pub slash restaurant we went to, but what I do remember, it did have a story behind it. And uh, we were told that the back brick wall, there had been, it had backed onto or was the side at one point to a bank. Mm -hmm. And that's how a bank robbery had occurred. Oh, neat. Yeah. And then also about the underground city, but I did not know about the kidnapping. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was very, very um, hidden. And it's still something that the city doesn't like people to talk about. There's still a lot of, not conspiracy theory stuff, but more of let's keep it in the past. That's not something we really want to talk about. And that part to me is also fascinating. It makes me want to write about it even more. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because, well, then that ties into when you were saying about the experience for readers reading your book, it's just knowing how to overcome. Right. You know, you learn and how do you overcome? And, and we, you know, there's the famous saying of like, those that forget history are doomed to repeat it. And these are really horrendous things that people do to each other. 
that we need to remind ourselves of how to not repeat that. And, and to, you know, there's human trafficking now still all over, but especially in Portland, um, it's just a different flavor. It's a different beast now. And so we need to understand our history so that we can try to prevent it from happening again. Yeah, I agree. Francesca, this has been awesome. This has been awesome. I have to tell you, when I was reading, <laughs> I had your uh, the PDF file up on my screen, and I, I'm sitting at my desk, and I'm reading. And then at one point, I don't want to do this because I don't want to be my big face in, in your, your screen, but I'm, I'm sitting, and I notice I'm getting closer and then closer to the manuscript. <laughs> and then at one point, I've got my hands up, and I'm like... Oh, <laughs> <You know? Yes. laughs> yeah, so definite reaction. I'm like, oh, wow. You awesome. know? So awesome. definitely had me, you know, forgetting everything else that was going on. Right. So but thank you so much. Um, I will have your website in the show notes and the Black Cat Chronicles, that website mm-hmm. in the show notes. Anything yeah. else? Any other social media you would like noted or? I'm, I'm at writer of weird on, you know, all the socials. Perfect. I will include that. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Okay, Francesca. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.